that the quiet of a thousand nights falls upon your ears, an idea will betray you. Your secrets are not yours alone. An abyss opens beneath your cradle, and the torch will sputter into darkness. You will hold the myth of life in your hands, and you will drive the chariot of winter. Feeling down? Need a little pick-me-up? Why not drop by the Clothing Emporium, where Lucas promises to find the right outfit to lift your spirits. And now, back to Soul's story for Hades 5 Epilogue. After a clumsy clothing swap, Rosa and Al went their own way. Rosa had told her uncle Santiago that she would meet him at the Rose this afternoon. Fortunately for the hidden Ortega, the morning shenanigans ended with plenty of time to spare. The rose was bathed in warm afternoon light, somehow cooler than the humid summer streets. Rosa spots Santiago sitting tall at the bar. Dennis pours him a second round, leaving the bottle with Santiago, rather than service him for a third time. The man rubs that dirt on his cheek before spotting his niece. They embrace, but Rosa wastes no time as she takes Santiago to her room to allow them some privacy. He can't believe it, refuses to believe it, until she lays out all the information she has. The bounty from Jericho, the mischievous Brecca, and how Rosa's friends won't turn in the woman. The more she spills, the redder Santiago's face becomes. His short fuse grows shorter and shorter, nearing demolition. Rather than punching a wall, however, he fuels his frustration into another hug, holding her close with back-breaking strength. I'm sorry that I almost put you in that sort of danger. This was meant to be a way to get back at the guilt for what they did to our family, not to feed them more Ortegas. As quick as she was drawn in, Santiago pushes her away to hold her at arm's length. You belong with your family. Let's get you back home. Rosa sighs as she contemplates the invitation she had been waiting for most of her adult life. She shakes her head before telling him, I know I can help the family more by staying here. For a time, Santiago says nothing. A small, if sad, smile breaks free as he tussles her hair. You're a good kid. You're always welcome at the Latigo stronghold, whenever you're ready to come home. Her uncle is ready to leave when Rosa asks for him to wait, having a few more questions to ask. Have you heard of a man named Sasha? Rosa begins to describe the mysterious stranger from her dreams. Much like with the train job, the more she described, the more tense Santiago became. His fist curled tight by his side as he offers a gruff. I don't know who that is, but that sounds like a whole lot of never-born horse shit. My advice? Don't get involved unless you're willing to deal with it. Once again, the temperamental Ortega tries to leave, but his niece stops him. What about Matthew McFate? This name brings instant recognition. McFate? He's the magician that performs at the honeypot. I've never been, but the word on the street is, he's pretty damn good. What does he want with me? Rosa huffs, irritated by the lack of information her uncle has for her. He shrugs and offers a cheeky smile. Maybe he likes you. There's plenty of weird folk in Malifaux, but not all of them are so bad. The last we heard of Felix, they had finished patching up Bell, a shaken arcanist from the latest guild raid on an M&SU building. 
Felix reminisces over the events after death, and a certain oddity strikes him. Brecca had showed them a home in the industrial zone, had touched it as if it were some possession of hers, but never took them inside. Who could be inside? Felix muses, already assuming a missing piece lurked in the home's depths. By the time he made it back to the lonely house, the sun began to set, casting a burnt orange hue across the cobbled street. Brecca's handprint and heart remains tattooed to the window, untouched by other passerbys. Felix slowly reaches for the doorknob, and much to his chagrin, it is unlocked. Once opened, the home reveals itself to be as bare as one could imagine. The interior proves to be as dusty as the exterior. Furniture is scarce and hidden under cheap linens. The fireplace stands cold, untouched in some time. Hello? Is anyone home? Felix calls as he shuts the door behind him. A grinding sound of metal on metal from somewhere in the back of the home abruptly stops. A chair is pushed back and creaks as some massive weight stands. Thump. Thump. Painfully slow, someone began to walk down the hall. Thump. 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 A giant form emerges at the end of the hall, taking up most of the space. He wears what looks like a diving suit, but with more functionality. Hinges and braces made it easier to bend limbs, helping carry the weight of the metal contraption. Glowing at the center of his chest is a large soul stone, locked in place thanks to a wire cage. Most of the windows are boarded up. However, through the slats, a few rays of flame-colored light illuminate the man's face. He is missing an eye, and is completely devoid of any hair. Scar upon scar layer over one another, some of them more fresh than the others. His fist clenches at his side with an audible crack. Hello, Frederick? My name is Dr. Hyde. I was brought here by a... mutual friend? Brecca. Do you remember her? The man's fist uncurls and steps towards the good doctor. The movement exudes hostility, if only for his looming size on the approach. He lingers in front of Dr. Hyde, before patting his own person until he found a notepad and charcoal. He scratched on the pad to reveal a singular, Hi. Felix offers a salute. Good afternoon. How about this? A simple nod will suffice? I'm coming here for... The moment help leaves the ghost's lips, Frederick is shaking his head no. Our friend has turned me on to something. A way to power your suit for a long time. And in doing so, has gotten herself in quite the pickle. So, man to man, what are these soul stones worth to you? What a smooth lie from the good doctor. The contraption of a man scratches out his greeting and writes, Is she safe? No. What could Dr. Hyde be playing at with such dishonesty? The pages flipped. What happened? He steps closer. To not take up too much of your time. She made a wrong bargain with the wrong sort of people? Frederick scrawls, who, in the same urgency one would use to interrupt another speaking. The who, I cannot say. She left my care, and has since been apprehended. I know the guild has her. At the moment of the guild, the charcoal snaps in Frederick's hand. But I do have powerful friends, and I was coming to see where you stood. If I needed help from an old compatriot of hers, would you be interested? A gurgle sound escapes the machine man as he tries to laugh, only to cut the mirth short, wincing at the sound he created. He waves a hand over his person, indicating he's in no position to help anyone with anything. Ah, well, a final question, Frederick. While you were in a very magical house... What happened? Frederick's jaw rocks before attending to his notebook. Don't remember. Bright light. Woke up in tin can. 
Brecca smiled. Now I'm here. Hmm. Curious. Felix takes a moment to make note of his surroundings. Here was a man living amongst tinkered toys and whittled carvings made to pass the time. He did not rush to greet Felix or seem starved for attention. If his life were truly so miserable, he could always remove his soulstone heart. His attention was pulled back to the notebook as Frederick tapped the pages. Will you get her back? Can you keep her safe? I could keep her safe. If I could get her back. I have to prove she isn't the thief we know she is. I need probable cause and someone to say, this is who you're after, not her. The puzzle pieces click into place as Frederick fixes a glare upon the doctor. He begins to sketch. Some time passes before he reveals a hastily drawn portrait of the woman who visited Felix in his room. He writes above it, I'm not going anywhere. Felix smiles a smile that doesn't quite meet his eyes. Should you need me? He begins, handing Frederick a calling card. Thank you for your time, Frederick. Upon returning home, Felix discovers two letters waiting for him. One is an envelope, positively radiating with the silky magic Felix has come to crave, tucked into the crack of the door. The other is a torn piece of paper, folded in half, waiting under the door. Picking the rather informal note first, Felix reads, Meet at Hanging Tree. Be alone. I'll know. McMorning. It was hastily written and unlevel, as if McMorning had been looking elsewhere while writing. The other note provided contradicting instructions. Be a dear. Visit my good friend Rowan at the Three Sisters Brothel. Bring your friends. Yours, Delilah. Jared's day is less eventful by far. He spends his time drinking the hours away. He considers each decision that led to the catastrophe that happened today. Feeling his age and lack of achievement in life, Jared ponders how many butterflies could be blamed as each moment of life is so closely tied together. So locked in his ruminations, he failed to notice the bartender aging before his eyes. As each hour ticks by, the younger brother became the older brother, became the father. His whiskers grow longer. His hair took on a silver hue. Wrinkles set deep into his face as daily worries took their toll. All of this passes by Jared's attention, who lifts his glass for a refill. By now, Johnny had stopped asking him to pay. Each top-off was given with a nod, silently asking, You good? Jared would bow his head slightly to give the equally silent reply, Yeah, (laughs) I'm good. The crowd grows larger and rowdier around the sullen man. Fights start behind him, and he only moves his drinking arm. The screams and shouts of glee and rage fall on deaf ears as Jared focuses on finding at what point he should have known better. Eventually, he drags himself from his seat to his room. He never hits the point of blackout drunk, but rather kept himself at a healthy tipsy. The sort of tipsy that makes your hands fuzzy and your face warm, and yet you hope you end up in your own bed. As he stumbles up the stairs, he realizes that Brecca never came back. For once, this doesn't create a sense of worry or panic. In fact, he chuckles mirthlessly to himself. He's quite content that she's gone. His room still smells something terrible, even with the head and shit-stained clothes gone. The smell hangs heavy, a new amenity to offer its borders. 
waiting for him on his bed is a little note covering something not much larger than the size of his palm. A gift is never a gift for the recently unemployed man. Overcome with paranoia, he checks the room for any sign of presence, but all that remained of the mystery visitor is the note. With a certain amount of caution, he takes the note, squinting to read the words in his haze. I still believe in you. PR. Beneath the paper sits a badge. It is old and filth-covered as if it had been sitting in a mulch pile. Stamped into the metal reads Pinkerton, although some of the letters are filled with dried mud. And yet, despite the grime, Jared recognizes it for what it is. He also recognizes whose skin clings to the edge of the metal. left to wander once more, lost without a place to go. The morning had been chaotic without a doubt. As he walks aimlessly, he realizes today was meant to be an important day. Today, Alice opens her new shop, the Wonderland. Alice. Oh, Alice. The one woman who knew how to make him... The one woman who knew how to make him smile, to make him laugh, to make all the bad things go away, even if for only a moment. Al never received an address, but his feet take the lead, guiding him by some invisible force. Rounding the corner, he sees where a new shop should be. Its sign is still covered in canvas, having never been formally revealed. Windows are shuttered and the door is locked. Nearby, a group of Hoodlum children play with a hoop and stick, laughing as they enjoy their youthful freedom. Al approaches the kids, face set in confusion over the state of the Wonderland. Hey, kids. Have you seen a lady around here? The children stop playing, the hoop clattering to the ground. You mean Miss Rowan? One pipes up. Al shakes his head. No. Alice. I don't know nothing about Alice, sir. But Miss Rowan's real nice to us. She came by here looking for someone, too. Is it Alice? One of the younger children pipes up next. I talked to her. Not Alice. Miss Rowan. She's a nice lady. She gives us dinner sometimes. The youngin patted themselves down before shrugging. She had a note for me to give to someone, but I lost it. You should go see her. Maybe she's going to give you free dinner too. <laughs> Thanks, kid. I certainly wouldn't say no if she did. Al chuckles, reaching down to ruffle the child's hair. Keep out of trouble, you hear? He offers before turning to head towards the three sisters' brothel. At first, Al walks right by it. His steps dwindle and come to a full stop as his brain registers what he had just seen. He takes one step back, then two. On the side of the brick building next to him was a painted ad, nothing out of place for this district. But Al knows that face. The face staring down at him as if judging him, smirking at him making fun of him silently. Matthew McFate's Marvelous Motions is painted across the top with golden paint. Matthew takes the majority of the space displayed in his full regalia. 
Along the bottom, however, is a smaller but still readable font saying, featuring Albert Long, Friday night. Hey guys, so uh, this is only our second ever level up episode, which is really cool. Except that, uh, you know, nothing really happened. There was a half hour of us doing nothing fun. So I'm going to let you guys know what happened. I'm just going to let you know how they leveled up. So they decided to keep their experience points that they earned as they didn't have enough to rank up the skills they wanted to rank up. They didn't get anything too fun as far as ability wise. And this level was just really dull for them, unfortunately, you know beginning levels. Not everything's really cool. We decided as a group that due to being fired from the guild, Rosa is no longer able to continue down her overseer pursuit during the next storyline. So Logan chose to advance Rosa down the criminal pursuit in this upcoming story. Moose picked for Felix to follow the Revenant advanced pursuit. Spencer continues using the guard pursuit for Jared, and BB is still using the mercenary pursuit for Al. Now, the reason, as a reminder, that these pursuits are important is that any skills gained when you are cross-pursuing, you're not able to use. Your general talents are fine, but in Logan's case, he is unable to use his overseer talents. He can only use his general and criminal talents because he's now going down the criminal pursuit. I want to take a quick moment to say thanks, as always, for listening to us. We are about to start a whole new chapter of Soul Story. I know our heist was a little shorter than we had wanted, but who knows? Anything can happen. If you guys want to give your thoughts about this week's episodes, feel free to join us on our Discord. There's a link in our show notes. If you're like, wow, these guys work really hard. I want to give them money. We'll take your money. Go ahead and visit our Patreon. We also have a link of that in our notes. And then we have a whole tail end of stuff in our ending credits if you want to know where to follow us. All right. That's all I got. Bye, guys. Bye, 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 bye. Good afternoon, morning, and evening, folks. Thanks for giving us a listen today. If you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review us. For updates and more, you can find us at soulstorypod.com. Do you want to stay in touch? We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at soulstorypod. You can find us on Twitter as well. This man has a stiff attitude to match his stiff corpse. It's Dr. Felix at Musifo. He ain't no simp. He'll give you a taste of his right hook before throwing you in the hooskow. It's Jared at Sparebear the Meek. He's eager for that beaver and has the moxie of a large mouse. Meet Albert Long at Hot Bam with three M's. She has a gun and we swear she's had an accident all along. It's Rosa, played by Logan at KOTL of the Light. And she's a choice bit of calico and knows her onions. It's our fate master, Alex, at Roll for Alex. God bless America.